good morning. We good? Hey, let me just uh, let me just pray for. Uh, no. Am I on? Let me one two. One two. There we go. Yes. Sorta. It's always me, isn't it? It's something about me. Really, I don't, I don't wear this right. Oh, quick check, buddy. Let's do it. Hold on one second. Well, let me just pray. We need it. <laughs> Father, we, uh, we do. We love you. And uh, what a privilege to, to just be in your presence. And Lord, that we are allowed to come there to enter in with you. And we thank you this morning. Uh, and we know that you love us. The lover of our souls, our Valentine. And... Uh, Lord, would your spirit just fall afresh upon us this morning, in your beautiful and glorious name, amen. Well, one of the things that has been happening uh, for the last several years, kind of a trend that's going around in our culture, is what is called a life coach. People are obtaining in their lives a life coach, those who would come to their side and help them with strategies on how to live life how to process and have relationship, how to have success at their work. And if you look on the Internet at any website about life coaches, there are thousands of them, and they're growing in popularity. And let me just uh, share one that was uh, on a website. And this is the offer to you if you need a life coach. As your life coach, I will support you in creating the life of your dreams. And I will act as the guardian of that expansive vision. And as my client, you will be encouraged to explore and enact the changes needed to live your ideal life. And this one woman says that many come to me and they say, our marriage has lost its passion. Will you help me? Our relationships are full of tension these days. Will you help me in my relationship. I feel like something is missing, but I'm not sure what it is. Will you as a life coach help me find that? My life would be great except for one part needs to change. And the title of all of these is You Need a Life Coach. Well, I'm here to remind you this morning that we have another life coach. Ever since the time of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon those who had received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit came in and the Lord has given us this wonderful gift of himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to see how we can have this abundant life, this full life, this rich life, successful life in the Lord, not in what the world says is, is success. 
in this ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit, living in, living in and with the real life coach. So turn to John chapter 14, if you would, and we'll begin at verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, Jesus says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. And so this morning, I want to look at this love relationship that we have with Jesus Christ and with the spirit that he is going to bring into our lives. And he says this, if you love me, If you love me, you will obey my commands. And John is clearly pointing out to you and to I that loving obedience, loving obedience is the mark of a true believer, one who longs to follow Jesus Christ. That loving obedience shows that Christ and his ways are true and that we want to follow them. And that he calls us into this relationship and where we submit to him as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Shepherd. And we say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. C.S. Lewis says there's two kinds of people. There are those who say, Lord, thy will be done. And they say this to the Lord. And then there are those to whom God says, Okay, fine, have it your way. And the question we need to ask this morning of ourselves is, which are we? Are we coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, thy will be done? Or are we continuing to do our own thing, claiming Christianity that we are followers, yet we want to live life on our own? And eventually he says, fine, do it your way. And it's a call to obedience. If you love me, keep Guard, be attentive to, obey my commands. I want you to think for a second, what image pops into your head when you think of obedience? What image comes to your mind when you think of authority in your life? Are your thoughts mostly negative? You know, for me, when I think of obedience... Uh, Unfortunately, I think I go to disobedience of what I was like as a little child. And then the imagery of the belt comes to mind. And back in the 70s, the belts were much thicker back then, if you remember, and there was big buckles. And my father used to say to me, "This, this hurts me as much as it hurts you. And I never quite believed that. He loved me, and he did. He disciplined me, but he loved me well. But you know what, unfortunately, I think our view of following, of being obedient to Christ, 
is often this burdensome, infringing pain in our lives. And so how do we view obedience? Do we right away go to the Ten Commandments? If you love me, obey my commands. Well, I need to follow this set of rules. And, and if I follow them, okay, I'm doing all right. And I know where I'm at with the Lord. And this is what obedience looks like. And if I don't follow them correctly, then I get a spanking. I'm in trouble. I didn't do it right. Do we sometimes hear the word obedience and we want to be James Dean, a rebel without a cause? Thank you, Lord, for telling me how to have life, but I don't quite agree with you. And I will show you that the life I'm living is okay. There was a woman named Jan Davis who was an expert uh, parachutist. She jumped out of hundreds of planes and, and off many cliffs and all kinds of things. And she was famous for her base jumping, which is you go to a cliff and, and you free fall and then boom, you throw your chute out. And she fell to her death base jumping one year, 1999. And she was at El Capitan in Yosemite, 3,200 feet. And if you've ever been there, it's a beautiful, beautiful cliff and just a creation of God that you stand in awe of. And there was a whole team that went that day to go jump off El Capitan. And it was very clearly known that it's illegal to do this off this mountain. And these jumpers knew that full well. But they wanted to jump anyway even though they knew that six people had already lost their lives, there were severe injuries that had happened off that, and they came to jump. And as a matter of fact, they were jumping in protest. They were jumping to show how safe base jumping was. And Jan Davis fell to her death. Many times, again, we want to live our life on our own, and we think God's ways are okay, but they don't quite fit where we're at right now. And so I'm going to live and continue in my sin and show you, Lord, that, you know what, this really isn't hurting anybody. And so I will continue to jump because I think it'll be fine. And we think that's life. Maybe sometimes when we hear the word obedience, we go again, thank you, Lord, for what you're giving me. And these ways of life, you said last week, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Follow me in these things. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. And yet, again, we go, well, I hear your truth and I see your word, but I want a variation of that. I want it to fit my immediate situation. I want to set up my own set of ethics and morality. There was a gentleman by the name of Lee Curtis, who was a bank robber. And he robbed people at gunpoint. And they caught him. And they arrested him. And interestingly enough, they found in his wallet a set of code of ethics. And let me share a few of them with you. I will not kill anyone unless I have to. I will take cash and food stamps, but I will take no checks. I will rob only at night. I will not wear a mask. I will not rob mini-marts or 7-Eleven stores. If I get chased by cops on foot, I will get away, but if I'm chased by a vehicle, I will not put the lives of innocent civilians on the line. I will rob only seven months out of the year. I will enjoy robbing from the rich to give to the poor. 
And so Lee Curtis had his own set of morality, a variation of what he thought was truth. Except as he went before the courts and the judging system, they didn't judge him on his set of morality. And so he went to prison. And so we think that we can have our way. We think that our way might work better. Thank you, God, for sharing. But thank God I'm so smart and I figured it out. Obedience. Truly, do we follow Jesus Christ? Is he really the way, the truth, and the life for us, for you and for me? And what we're going to see more in this passage is that as we desire to live in the ways of the Lord, that in this relationship with Jesus Christ, there is so much love coming back to us. I mean, he started it all, didn't he? Loved us first. But yet as we enter in, he just continues to pour out his love upon us. And there is promise from Jesus. And the Lord picks up, and John picks up this theme of loving obedience and God's response. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And guess what? I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. If you love me and... There's more that comes along with that. In our relationship, there is more. And I want you to see how this comes about. Last week, if you love me, you can ask anything you want in my name. And I will do it. And we can confidently ask and come before the Father because we're seeking his will. Because we want his life. And we want his truth. Look in uh, chapter 14, verse 21. Again, I don't want you to miss the point of our genuine response, our obedience, our love for the Father, for Christ, and how he pours out himself upon us. Whoever has my commands, verse 21, and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. Now look at the promise. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him, and I will show myself to him. Now watch the continued theme throughout this passage. Verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And my father will love him and we will come to him and we will make our home in him. We will come and we will make our home. And then look at verse 31, the the wrap-up of this passage. But the world must learn, now look at this, that I, Jesus, love the Father. And now look at what that loving relationship is. And that I do exactly what my Father has commanded of me. I love the Father. I set the example of what obedience looks like. It's this beautiful relationship. It isn't this sense of, I'm just going to stomp on you every time. We feel that sometimes, like obedience is this thumb of pressure. And Jesus says, I'm in this relationship with the Father. I want the world to know how I respond to him. And you too live in obedience, and that shows your love. It shows how much you want to follow. And it's a promise that you can count on. I will come and dwell with you. I will reveal myself to you. I will make myself known. I will take residence in you. And it's a promise that we can bank on, isn't it? It's not like some relationships where we ask that question, 
do you really love me? Do you really? And we're, we're nervous, and we don't know what the answer will be. Do you love me today? You are. You shall be. You always have been. Loved by the Father. Your Valentine. The lover of your souls. Who takes up residence within you. And John always connects this real relationship with this loving obedience. Again, not forced. Not forced. And I want you, again... If you've had that image of obedience is I have to follow the law or obedience is I just, I just don't want to hear it. I'm going to rebel against it or obedience is I'm going to do my variation or I just feel pressured to do it. Then we have the wrong view of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We just do. It's not meant to be that. It's meant to be a loving obedience where you desire to come into the presence of the Father and enjoy him. It's like a, a child who brings home this clay something and you can't quite figure out what it is. It's this offering to you, isn't it? And what are they looking for? They're looking for your pleasure. Did I please you with this? It's imperfect in many ways. But still you put it in the place of honor on the mantelpiece. This clay, wonderful thing. And it sits there. And they want to know that they've pleased you. Don't you want to please the Father? That's what he's saying. And we bring our offering, ourselves, this living sacrifice, as imperfect as it may be. And the Father puts it on the mantle. He says, oh, I'm pleased. Why? Because you just desired to please me. That's our relationship. And again, we want to love the Lord more. We want to be obedient to him. What are some of the ways that we can do that? We can begin to recognize and, and renew our minds, like the scriptures teach us, that his ways are true and good. That we faithfully follow in obedience and trust. That we take steps of faith. Not knowing exactly where you're headed, but you go, okay, Lord, I trust you and I'll go. And that we begin to, again, live in his truth. Not rigid Ten Commandments, but his ways of life. What are, what are some of his ways? You know, you think through, again, right away we go to the Ten Commandments, but what are his commands, his truth, his life that he pours out in the Scripture and through his Holy Spirit to us? He says to us, I want you to forgive each other. I don't want you to continue to hold on to this bitterness. I don't want you, dear friends, to be in this battle. You've had all this life together. And all of a sudden, you hurt each other. And now you have no communication, and you've walked away. And he says, oh, that's not life. I want you to forgive each other. Jesus teaches about marriage in the Bible. He says, husbands, love your wives. Agape, love them to the core. By the way, Tuesday's Valentine's, gentlemen. Love them. Cherish them. May they always know that they are the queen. There is no other queen in your life. She is it. It says of wives, wives, give respect to your husband. May your husbands know that you value them. 
that you appreciate who they are in God? Do you give respect and let God work in that marriage to heal and to bring about beauty and the perfect thing that he wants in the gift of marriage? He says, I want you to see my heart for the poor. Go out and care for the poor. Love them and you'll see my heart for them, those in need. He says, go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are some of his ways. It's truth. And when we live in it, it's life. But here's again the reality. You say to me, and I say to myself, I want to do that. I want to be more forgiving. I really do desire to care about people, but I'm just not in the mood. And the truth is, I just can't do it. And that's actually the good news of this morning. The Lord knows that you cannot do this within your own strength. You cannot just love your wife just out of, I'm going to muster it up today. can't forgive somebody. I'll just say the words, you know, I'm sorry, and you slump away. The good news is when we live in his way, he's given us more. He's given us blessing in life that we follow him with joy. Will you follow your valentine? Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and who seek them with all their heart. And so as I want to and I desire to and I know the blessing of God, I go, Lord, help. And so here's the gift. Here's the Valentine gift. He says, I give you the Holy Spirit. I give you a valentine, the lover of your souls. I give you the real life coach, the one who will teach you about life. Will you receive? Will you take in? Will you accept? Will you hear from your valentine? And so there is the sending of the Holy Spirit. Now all you women who went to my wife's conference yesterday, you can zone out about now. I just copied all her notes. She taught on the Holy Spirit. Didn't have to prepare much this week. And that was wonderful. I thought, how cool God's doing this. Same weekend, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit all week. The Lord sent his Holy Spirit. Actually, we see in John chapter 7, the Lord speaking of himself in the person as the one who's coming in the Spirit. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the spirit. He meant the spirit who would come, the spirit that would come to those who believe in him and they were later to receive. And the image of the spirit is these streams of living water that will pour out. And so in the middle of this context that you can't miss again, the beginning of chapter 14, right? The disciples are troubled. What are we going to do, Jesus? You're leaving us. What does that mean? How are we going to go on? And don't we ask the same question? How do we live life? Today, I'm troubled, Lord. I don't know how to do this. How can I go without your leading? 
And so the scriptures remind us that I send my Holy Spirit. Later on in the scriptures in chapter 16, it says, it's a good thing that I'm going. It is a good thing. So that you will receive my Holy Spirit who will come upon you. And he says, I am sending another. Allos in the Greek, another of the same kind versus heteros. Another of a different kind, heterosexual we get. I'm sending one of the same kind in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he will be your helper, your counselor, paraclete in the Greek, one who comes along your side. He will be your advocate. He will be your comforter. These are all words that we've heard about the Holy Spirit, aren't they? I love the word helper only for the reason I think of the image of, of my wife as a helpmate. And the scriptures give our wives this beautiful position of helpmate. And it's this, and, and it, my wife has really been this for me. You know, like many of us in life, we struggle with just life, men. And we, we at work sometimes go, I just don't know how to do it anymore. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what my future holds. Man, many a times in ministry, I'm like, who am I to even be, really, who am I to even be right here? I'm this wretched sinner, and yet you allow me to teach you the Word of God. I'm a total fumbling mess, and yet here I am. I don't know what God is doing at the moment in my life. And here's where my wife has been this wonderful helper, this helpmate. She's come by my side, and she says, Rod, Don't forget who you are. Don't forget what God has done in your life. Don't forget how he's used you, and she'll remind me. And she comes along my side. And here's the best term, I think, of helper, of the, the one who will be your counselor or the other. It's really the idea of a strengthener, one who will give you strength right in the middle of where you're at. The counselor. It was used in legal terms sometimes as one who would come in and defend you. Now my wife does that many times. But she goes, don't forget what God's been doing in your life. And so I'm strengthened again through my bride, my helper. That's what God does through his Holy Spirit. He comes right by your side. He says, don't forget who you are. Don't forget I'm with you. Don't forget we're journeying this life together. It is good that I go because I send you my Holy Spirit to each and every one of you who love Jesus Christ this morning. You have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells within your life. The other, the one who comes. And he says this of the Holy Spirit. What does our relationship look like? 
He says, I will be with you forever. I am an abiding spirit in your life. I come in and I live. I take up residence in your family, in your life. And I stay there forever. And that Greek word really means forever. It isn't that the Holy Spirit comes and he might come again. And he keeps on coming. You know what? There is a theology out there that says, oh, I lost the Spirit Tuesday. I don't know. You know, I need to get it back again. And so I need to get the second blessing or the second filling. That's just not true theology. It's not true about the Spirit. He says, I come and I take up residence in you and I dwell within you forever. From the moment that you receive me, I live in your life. In Ephesians it says, be filled with the Spirit, right? But what that means is, is allow yourself to receive the Spirit that you would be attentive to and allow Him to work in your lives versus I'm just going to do it my own way. He says, I come and I dwell and I live with you forever and I take up residence in your life and I never leave you. Hebrews 13:5. be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never, never will I forsake you. It's the strongest double negative you can have in the original language. Never, ever, by any means, will I leave you. Do you guys realize that's what we have dwelling within our souls, our life? God in us. And he says, I'm the spirit of truth, absolute truth, not subjective, not situational ethics. Let's see what works for the moment. And he comes in and he gives us discernment about life, what is good and what is pure. He gives us the spirit of truth, and it's, it's this, you guys. It's, it's not, you know, sometimes we go, well, it's about the word, but it's not just about the word. It's about life. As you walk into life and you walk into a situation with a friend and you go, what would be wise here? Oh, God, help. And he says, here's what's true. And you'll know with your spirit what is true and what is good and what is pure. And that we invite the spirit in to give us truth about life. You know, I'm a big fan of counseling. I think counsel is really wise and good and helpful. Many of you have been helped for many years by people who have come by your side and counseled you in your marriages or just in life. But here's what I find sometimes, is that many people come and it's like, oh, I've gone to all this counseling, and I just, I just can't figure it out, and I, you know, the counselor's good, but it's just not, it's just not hitting home with me. And so sometimes I just ask the simple question, where's the Holy Spirit in all of this? In that process of seeking counsel, have you invited the real counselor? the one who speaks truth to your life, to your core, the one who dwells within you, the one who knows you more than you know yourself? Have you sought out life from that counselor as you go into counseling? Lord, speak to my heart through this counselor. Just speak to my heart, period, that I might know truth about this relationship or this situation. And he gives us the spirit of truth, and he says, he will be in you. Don't you know, brothers and sisters, 
that you are the temple of the living God. Don't you know, Paul emphasizes, that you are. And as he's in you, we have the mind of God. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And we know the emotions of the Lord and his heartbeat for us and our sense of morality and truth. Galatians 5, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And we'll know the will of God, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. The Holy Spirit is in us forever. He is with us, and he gives us truth, and he's in us and dwells within us, and he says this. This is his ministry to us. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you alone. Again, in a troubled time where we're going, what is next? He says, I won't leave you as ones who are left going, where am I? Who am I? What's next? My father was an orphan. I shared that with you guys. And so all of his questions of identity And who am I going to be as a man? And and where do I go from here? And the Lord Jesus says, oh, I'm not going to leave you like that. Orphans were children without parents, but orphans also were listed of disciples who lost their rabbi. And in the time when the rabbi would leave, they would be considered orphans. And so the disciples are going through this. And his promise to them is, I will not leave you as alone, as an orphan. And then as you go down in verse 26, he said, The ministry of the Spirit is I will teach you and I will remind you of all things. The Spirit will give meaning to truth and will help you understand. You know, one of the things I want to encourage you guys in as you read the Word, as you break open truth, is that before you start to read, is that you would say, Lord Jesus, send your spirit into me of understanding. Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit this morning. I want to live for you. And Lord, as I read your word, would your spirit speak to me what it is you have for my life? Give me understanding so it's just not a bunch of gobbledygook, you know? You read the words and you're kind of blurry-eyed and you go, well, I did my devotional, but... I'm not exactly sure what just happened there. Invite the Spirit to speak to your heart. Give me understanding of your truth. And he says, I will come. I will remind you of all things. I will give you truth. And so listen to me, because I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You know, one of the ways that you and I love each other is by listening to each other, isn't it? That we hear each other out, that we we share our dreams and our hopes and our life with each other. And we share words of encouragement. And we share words of sharpening, I hope, for each other's lives. Isn't that the way we love the Father? Through the Spirit. As He speaks to us, that we would listen. And not only just nod our heads, but respond. Isn't that loving? Doesn't that feel loving? 
Let's not forget that we are in relationship with the God of the universe who's taken up residence in us. And the beautiful thing that the Lord speaks to us, he says, I'm giving you this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And he keeps trying to remind the people, don't you know that I am in the Father and that you are in me and that I am in you? You know what? That's one of the most profound, mind-boggling bits of truth that we can ever come across. The God of the universe who created us, who created the world, who loves us to the core, who we feel, again, sometimes is out there, and that's the way a lot of people feel. And he says, I want one truth, as much as it can sink in, that you should know this, that you are in me. I am in you. We are tied in together, and I dwell within you. And may you rest in that truth. And when we acknowledge that truth, here's the freedom. The freedom is, it's not what I can do for the Father, but it's what the Father is doing through me, through the power of the Spirit, as I go out and minister and have life and live in His ways. We cannot forget God has given us the Holy Spirit. And to us in troubled times and to us right in the middle of it, his last valentine to us in this passage is verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Sandwiched in from the beginning of verse 1 of chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. And at the end, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because I've given you another. I will give you one who will come into your life. And in the middle of what is so confusing and trying, I give you my peace. These are promises from God. Not peace of the world, which is absence of war, right? It takes you out of trouble. I'm going on vacation and I'll have peace. It means shalom. It means rest right in the middle of the troubled times. What she says of the disciples, guess what? There's going to be plenty. End of you and me. Guess what? There's going to be plenty. But I won't leave you as orphans. I leave you my spirit. I leave you my peace. Let's pray. Father, would your Holy Spirit, right this very moment, just minister to our hearts? Would you reveal yourself to us and, and fall upon us in a way that, that just empowers us to live? We desire, Father, to live in your ways. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to keep doing it on our own. Forgive us for thinking that we haven't figured out. And so, Lord Jesus, I invite you right now to fill us full of you. Lord, we acknowledge you as our Lord and our Savior. We acknowledge you as the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you that you truly are our Valentine, the lover of our souls. And we want to say we love you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.